grace to you and peace from God our Heavenly Father and from his Son who is shown to be God and man in one, our salvation. This morning our text is the gospel reading appointed for this second Sunday after Epiphany. It's found in John chapter 2 and this is a rather familiar account of Jesus at the wedding of Cana. I would invite you to rise for the reading of the sermon text. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water now become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. So far, our sermon text. Let us pray. These are your words, Heavenly Father. We pray that by them uh, you would manifest your glory to us so that we know and believe in you and trust that you are our salvation. Set us apart from this dying world for yourself and for everlasting life. Your word is the truth. Amen. You may be seated. Fellow redeemed in Christ, <clears throat> it seems like the world has just become a crazy place and we can hardly make sense of it anymore without a calendar. I bet most of you have to keep a calendar. So many appointments and events and things going on, things you don't want to forget, birthdays and anniversaries and so on. You keep a calendar. You write everything down so that you can look at it and remember what's important on that day. There are many events that happened in the life of our Savior, and we don't want to forget any of them. And so over the last 2,000 years, the, the church has developed a calendar so that we don't forget all these important things that happened in Jesus' life. We happen to be in the festival half of the church year calendar right now, and during this time, we're thinking about the different events that occurred in Jesus' life. And uh, today, we are thinking especially 
about the wedding at Cana. This time of year is called the Epiphany season. And Epiphany just means to make manifest or to reveal something. This is the time of the year when we think about how Jesus shows himself to us. He showed himself to us when we see the wise men looking at that miraculous star and following it until they came to Bethlehem, to the house where Jesus was. He showed himself through the pages of Scripture. He showed who his real father was when at 12 years old he was carrying out the father's work in the father's house in the temple. He was shown to all to be the father's beloved son at his baptism in the river Jordan when the Lord spoke from the heavens. And as Jesus lived and worked and began to preach among his people, he also began to show who he was. St. John tells us that Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples put their faith in him. And so this morning, we want to think about how Jesus revealed his glory. And we'll see that Jesus revealed his glory at the wedding of Cana in three ways. First of all, by giving his blessing to marriage. And secondly, by showing his power as God. And finally, by providing for the needs of his people. So Jesus was there at Cana at the wedding. And the bride and groom certainly thought of him as a special guest, but what a guest to have at a wedding. Can you imagine? He was also the very first wedding guest of all time. He was there at the wedding in Eden. And the fact that Jesus was at this wedding is very important because it shows us that he approves of marriage, that he blesses marriage, just as he blessed the bride and groom at Cana. I think it's especially important these days because people have some strange ideas about marriage, even, even sadly within the Christian church these days. People have thought, for example, in times past that being unmarried is better and more God-pleasing than being married. Pastors and priests and other leaders in the church were to remain celibate, unmarried. Young people joined monasteries so that they could become monks and nuns, thinking that they would be closer to God if they lived a celibate life. But they forgot that marriage is an institution of God and God doesn't do anything halfway. It is important to him and blessed by him. The union of one man and one woman for a lifetime. He established it at the beginning because he knew, as it says, that it was not good for the man to be alone. People have strange ideas 
about marriage today. Some think it is an outdated institution and just a matter of tradition, just some old-fashioned words that are read in churches and a piece of paper that's on file at the courthouse. Nothing more. Still others think it is a burdensome option. One famous actress said that getting married would just bring all kinds of complications to her relationship. She said, why not just live together in love without thinking that you have to be there, she said. <clears throat> Instead of doing away with marriage, others want to expand it so that it becomes, in effect, meaningless. Some men want to marry men. Some women want to marry women. In 2007, there was a Mr. Selva Kumar, who married a dog. In 2006, Charles Tambe married a Sudanese goat. I wish I was just making this up, but I'm not. By coming to Cana, and by what he taught later, Jesus teaches us, without leaving any room for doubt, that this is how he defines marriage. One man, one woman, united as one for a lifetime. Haven't you read that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two but one. Therefore what God has joined together, let man not separate. Jesus revealed his glory at Cana by giving his blessing to marriage. He also revealed his glory by showing his power as God. <clears throat> and it's, it's clear right from the beginning of this account that at this wedding there were a lot of guests. It was a, a great celebration and they ran out of wine. You have to remember that at this time, when wine was the only drink besides water, it wasn't like running out of, of Coke or Pepsi or, or drinks like that. This was a big deal. Even fruit juice would have been very rare back then because there was no refrigeration. They ran out of wine. Mary must have known the bride or groom. She must even possibly have served as as an organizer for this week-long feast because she goes to the servants and speaks to them. She went to Jesus and let him know too. And remember though that he had just come into town. So why would Jesus, excuse me, why would Mary do this? It's because her only son could do as she asked. Look at how she asks him. When the time was right, Jesus told the servants to fill the jars with water and give a cup to the master of the banquet. It was wine. What Jesus did was clearly outside of nature, the nature of things. You can't make wine the way that you make Kool-Aid. You have to have grapes 
It takes a whole summer and part of the fall for the grapes to ripen. Then you have to know when the grapes are ripe. Then you have to crush them and add sugar or acid to balance the flavor and add yeast. And then you wait for a month. And then you transfer it to another container and let the yeast and the other stuff settle out. And then you bottle it. The whole process from vine to bottle takes about two months at least, usually more. But Jesus did it in a second with a word. Does that remind you of something? Something else that happened when a word was spoken and something sprang into existence that seems like it should have taken much longer? Remember in the beginning when God said, let there be light, when he said, let there be land to produce vegetation, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky, let the water and the land produce living creatures according to their kinds. At creation, distant stars with their light shining upon the earth appeared in the expanse of the sky. Fully grown trees stood tall. Animals filled the world. In chapter 1 of John's Gospel account, it says there that Jesus was the Word with God in the beginning and that all things were made through him. Jesus did it before. Jesus does it now here at Cana on a smaller scale, admittedly, but he revealed his glory by showing his divine power and changing that water to wine and that he is God about doing the things that God alone does. You've all had parties, or you've been to parties, perhaps on the patio with pop or soda or whatever you call it, and beer in a cooler, bags of chips on the table. If you run out of something, it isn't the end of the world. Nobody is going to be hurt. Goodness knows you can even survive drinking water, can't you? That's true of Cana. They could have gotten along without the wine, but Jesus provided. He provided for his people, even though those needs were not pressing, not life-threatening. We might even say that, well, having wine at a wedding is more of a want than a need, but Jesus provided for that too. The wedding guests at the feast they were not going to go without. The festival didn't have to be cut short because of a lack of beverages. Jesus provides lots of wine. Depending on the size of the jars, 60 to 180 gallons of wine. Think about that for a second. Look for a moment at how he provided. He provided when his hour would come, that is, when he knew it was the right time. This was the right time for him to begin his earthly ministry and identify himself as the Messiah, the promised Savior of Israel. In a lesser sense, he was teaching us about when it was right for him to answer his mother's request. He didn't provide the instant that he was asked. 
But when he provided in his time, the disciples, it says, saw it as Jesus revealing his glory, and they believed him because they saw him providing as only God can provide. Jesus identified himself with that miracle, and they put their faith in him. If we have received everything we asked for when we asked, we might think it was because of the cleverness of our prayers or even maybe our own power in some way, our own strength solving our problems. But Jesus reveals himself on his timetable. He waits for just the right moment. God often waits until we have truly despaired of our own efforts to wring our prayer out of him or to figure a way out of a difficult situation. Because only then do we despair of ourselves and our own capabilities and know that the solution is from him alone. So he waits so that we can see our own weakness before he displays his glory. But there's more. For Jesus' reply to his mother was about more than just timing. Jesus would give his own blood for us when the time had fully come. And the wine that we drink in communion is that blood. The bread is his body. Jesus was teaching us here a little bit about communion. His word made the wine in those stone jars, and it makes the wine of communion to truly be his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. We should never doubt that the cup, that his blood, is for the remission of all of our sins, because that's what Jesus says. Jesus said it. And this account of the wedding of Cana is there for us to remember who this Jesus is, what his word means, and how he revealed his glory. So what is his glory? We throw that word around a lot. His glory is not his power. Though his power can shake the earth, it's not his glory to do so. His glory is his love for us sinners, his care for his creatures, his forgiveness through word and sacrament, his providing for marriage, his presence at the right time, and his patient answers to his children's prayers. This morning, fear not his power, but see his true glory, and know that you have a merciful God in heaven. Repent, be glad, rejoice with your Savior, and during this festival season of the church year, think about that. The wondrous things that your Savior has done so that you would know him and know God's heart through him. During this season and always, remember and rejoice in your Savior. To him alone be the glory. Amen. Please rise. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all our understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto everlasting life. Amen.